0: Welcome to the podcast. Uh, what a show. Today's program was. uh, Stu, uh, Pat and I kind of finished the show. Uh, Let me give give the recap. We started off with Glenn. His voice is completely shot. You'll hear that in the voice. If you can't take his voice, he does some really interesting information. I will say, if you want to get the information he talks about in hour one, you can go to youtube.com slash Glenn Beck. It was a lot of the stuff that he did on the TV show the previous night, and he had a a stronger voice. So if you want to see that, you can see all the materials he's talking about. YouTube.com slash Glenn Beck. Hour two was the big covenant hour where Glenn renews the covenant. Um, and hopefully you did as well. You can go along and, and listen along with him as he does that. His voice sort of recovered for hour two and then flamed out at the end of hour two, which maybe is a sign. Who knows? Uh, hour three, it's Pat and I kind of filling in as Glenn had to leave and could not speak really anymore. Uh, we went over the Osama Bin Laden letter that has gone viral on TikTok. What a freaking world we live in. I'll be talking about that on Stu America as well tonight at YouTube.com slash Pat Gray Unleashed, of course, is YouTube.com slash Pat Make sure to follow both of those channels and uh, you will uh, do well for yourself. I will say as well, Glennbeck.com has all the materials for The Covenant. This is a really important show for Glenn. He was really bummed that his voice did not uh, hold up as well as he had hoped. We appreciate you bearing with them for something that's really really important. Here's the podcast
1: You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program I don't know if you've had a chance to watch last night's show but last night's TV show was I found extraordinarily disturbing in fact, we we debated amongst ourselves for a few days whether or not we were going to share all of the information with you, because it's, it is propaganda from Russia and uh, also from Iran. But we shared it with you because I'm not a gatekeeper of information. I, I feel that you need, you're an adult, you make the decision. I can provide you with the information, but what you do with it is is yours. Um, I've always hated the fact that the mainstream media always is like, "Well, we can't tell them that." What do you mean you can't? That that information belongs with us. Um, and then today, there is a TikTok video going around that is kind of the same kind of feel. If you never really understood how TikTok was being used by the Chinese and how far gone. The youth is there is a letter that has just been released. It's an old letter that was released uh, again now through TikTok. And I want you to listen. This is a letter from Osama bin Laden and people responding. Listen. This morning I read Letter to America, which is Osama bin Laden's letter to America explaining why he attacked Americans. And I am ashamed to say that I not only have never read this letter, but I didn't
0: even know this letter existed. It's wild and everyone should read it. If you haven't read it yet, <laughs> read it. However, be forewarned that this has left me very disillusioned and I feel the same exact way I felt when I was deconstructing Christianity. I feel <laughs> shocking uh, a little bit, just confused like I have entered into another timeline what is this and yeah so
1: go read it so I just read a letter to America and I will never look at life the same I will never look at (laughs) this country the same I will never I please read it and if you have read it let me know if you are also going through an existential crisis in this very moment.
0: And actually, before you even read the letter, I did want to mention in reading the letter, I could only think of this tweet that I saw the other day. Under settler colonialism, any kind of resistance is branded as terrorist because the only acceptable violence is violence by the occupier.
1: So this is f-ing insane. I just read Osama bin Laden's letter to America, which I will be going through mm. right here, but it's actually so. Mind to me that terrorism has been sold as this idea to the American people, and honestly, just so many Western inhabitants within certain nations that this group of people, this random group of people, just suddenly wakes up one day and just f-ing hates you, just wants you dead, wants you gone, and this is all because they believe that they're better than like that is the root of terrorism. It's, it doesn't no. make sense. They just hate your f-ing nation. But reading this letter, it becomes apparent to me that the actions of 9/11. And those acts committed against the USA and its people were all just the buildup of our government failing other nations. The way this letter is
0: going viral our right now government. is giving me the greatest sense of relief. <laughs> if you're Muslim and you've lived in the U.S. since 9-11, you know more truth than the typical citizen. Now it's oh all coming God. to life because of Palestine. Bizarre. Okay. This is unbelievable. Yes. Uh, I mean, this is, first of all, it's just <clears throat> a bunch of people admitting they're really dumb. Right. Like, that's just part one of this is just I'm stupid. I am stupid. Let me tell you about it on TikTok. Like, it's incredible what people will say on these social media networks. Just admitting you have absolutely no understanding of anything that's happened in the world over multiple decades. Like, what an incredible thing to just blurt out like you're so smart. And that's it is, again, this intersection of ignorance and certainty
1: where these people stand all the time and just get run over by cars over and over and over again. Okay. So I wanted to play that. So you understood how bad this is in our own country. Mm. Okay. They've all, they're all 20 somethings and they all have for the first time read this Osama bin (laughs) Laden. They haven't been taught about nine 11 or anything else. Oh my gosh. So now they are firmly against America and they are looking at terrorism. Has legitimate now. Okay, that's TikTok. Thank you, China. <clears throat> now, last night, I asked you, what is a good reason to go to war? Why would you go to war? Is, is it just an attack on the homeland like 9-11? Is that a reason to go to war? Are um, resources, you know, somebody cuts off oil Is that a reason to go to war? How about genocide? What's the reason to go to war? And I think it all breaks down after you get past the first one. And that is an attack on the homeland and defense of the homeland. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. Okay. Most basic. So why, what, what, what is really happening with these wars? And when you throw the Bible in, and or the Quran, and you have two groups of people, two countries that are involved in fighting wars that we are in through proxy. You would think that the media would be all over that, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, the Quran, we understand. You don't want to say anything about the Quran because you can't be against Islamists. No, I, I can be. I'm not against Muslims. I'm against Islamists. Um, so we know why they're not saying anything about Iran. How about Russia in the Bible? Isn't the FBI and everybody else just terrified of Christians, radicalized Christians? Yeah. Okay. So let me tell you about this match made in hell. The match made in hell is Russia and Iran. We've been telling you on this program about Alexander Dugan. He is Putin's philosopher, Putin's brain, and he's also bat crap crazy. When I first talked about him, I showed how he was organizing opposition movement in countries all over the world, including America. And he was using the Bible to do it. He was using Christianity as the shield well, he's not a Christian. In fact, let me put it up on the screen. There's his symbol. Uh, you can see it's just a bunch of arrows all pointing in a different direction. That is actually uh, an occult symbol. Uh, and it, it's the representation in the occult for chaos. What did I tell you in 2010? Chaos would be the operative word when everything is coming undone. And anyone pushing for chaos, run from. That's his symbol. So the Western experts will never take this guy seriously. Even though we know who he is, we know the influence he has. He's the guy who came up with the Crimea strategy. He's also the guy that came up with the strategy for the invasion of Ukraine. The State Department... Uh, Looked at Dugan. Now, this is a State Department document. It was released three years ago, and it highlights Dugan's plans for Russia. And it states that Russia will, quote, divide Georgia, annex Ukraine, Finland, Serbia, Romania, Bulgaria and Greece, and then gives Azerbaijan to Iran. Does that sound familiar to what does that sound like? Sounds like what they're trying to do. Sounds like everything our government is warning us about, right? Mm-hmm. How come they haven't shown us this proof, this document? How come this was released three years ago and they've all internally, but you haven't heard any of the evidence of that? They just keep saying, you know, he'll just march through. Why won't they say, no, here's the plan. When you hear neocons or most of the Democratic Party say we have to stop Russia now before they invade other countries, this is what they're referring to. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. And I'm definitely saying that uh, we really should think long and hard before we get involved at all, especially in a proxy war because of what else we have found. The very next page of the document, the State Department included two photos of Dugan and his followers fighting. I want to show you that picture, Stu. What do you see on their shirts? Uh, it's far too small. Oh, oh, it's the exact symbol that we just showed, the oh, chaos symbol. Right. Mm-hmm. So, we now know what their philosophy is, right? Mm -hmm. It's chaos. We know whose symbol that is. Why in this 77-page report does it not talk about dogma at all? Why isn't it tied to any of those larger concepts? Right. Dugan is quoted, State Department document, he is quoted about a new Moscow-Iran axis. Now, here's two strange bedfellows that never made an alliance before, and they decide to be close friends. Why is that? I'll explain. And this becomes, I think, very disturbing and very telling. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. It was around 640 B.C., The king of Judah lay dead in his own palace, surrounded by his servants who glowed with satisfaction. The assassination was a success. They had killed their king, but their victory was short-lived. Although the king of Judah had been evil, the people still broke out in anger against the assassins, putting them all to death quickly out of the bloody palace emerged an eight-year-old boy he had no time to mourn the death of his father because today he would become the new king of judah he looked out over his kingdom it had become dark and an evil place the people had forgotten the god of their ancestors and threw themselves at the feet of idols they had abandoned any good that their ancestors had tried to pass down. They were lost, they were violent, they were idolatrous, they were without hope, and they were without God. He was eight years old, his father was dead, his people were evil, and he was desperate. Fast forward about a thousand years, 1630 A.D. John Winthrop, he's an English attorney who is now governor of a colony in the New World. He led roughly 800 people on a perilous expedition from England to what would become the Massachusetts Bay Colony. On January 2nd, 1630, he wrote one short entry into his diary. My son Henry, was drowned at Salem. It was his job to lead these people, to keep them alive. But he couldn't even keep his own son alive. Even though he wasn't really a preacher, he wrote a sermon for the people, a model of how they should live. He was a man in his 40s in the new world. He was desperate. And so he made a deal with God, a covenant. He had read his Bible. He knew the stories of God coming down to man and making covenants. He knew about Abraham and Moses. He knew about Jesus, and he needed a miracle. So he did the only thing he thought he could, the only thing he thought would work. Instead of God first reaching out to him, he reached out to God. This wasn't totally unprecedented. John Winthrop would have known another story from the Bible, a story of an eight-year-old king ruling over an evil people, King Josiah. When Josiah turned 18 years old, he ordered that all of the holy places be rebuilt because they had fallen in complete disrepair. But as they were cleaning, the high priest found a scroll It was the first five books of the Bible. He handed it to the secretary of the king, who wasn't really interested in it. Secretary brought it to the king, King Josiah, and said, Hey, we found this old scroll. Do you want it? Josiah had never seen this scroll before. It was the constitution of his people. But he had never read it. He didn't know what it said. He had it read to him aloud. As he had listened, he realized that he and his people had completely forgotten their God. He stood up, tore his clothes, saying, Our God must be furious with us. Everything that is in this scroll about us, we've completely ignored. A prophet came to the king's men and prophesied that a calamity would soon strike the nation. Why? Because they had abandoned God. It was exactly what King Josiah had feared. The people had become too evil, they had to be destroyed. Again, King Josiah was desperate, his people were on the brink of destruction. He needed a miracle. So, like John Winthrop, he did the only thing he thought would work. He assembled all of the people together to renew the covenant to God. He gathered everyone from the greatest kingdom to the least. And everyone was to listen to the words of the scroll he read aloud. The scroll, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The king, King Josiah, called it the Scroll of the Covenant. We know it as the Torah. First five books of the Bible. The people listened as he read it aloud, and something changed in that moment. Something shifted. They remembered. In front of everyone... King Josiah made a covenant with God. He promised to follow God wholeheartedly and live according to everything written in the scroll. And by doing this, he said they would confirm the covenant of their ancestors, the one their ancestors had made. They would renew it. John Winthrop knew this story. He knew that renewing a covenant is not about anything new. It's about returning something True. If he and his people were to survive, then they had to live by the word of God. In his sermon, he wrote, Now if the Lord shall please to hear us, and bring us in peace to the place we desire, then hath he ratified this covenant, and sealed our commission. And it will expect a strict performance of the articles contained in it, But if we shall neglect the observation of these articles, the Lord will surely break out in wrath against us and be revenged of such a people and make us know the price of the breach of a covenant such as this. Break out in wrath. Against them. Why would John Winthrop make a deal with those kinds of conditions? Why would he make a deal that if they didn't strictly adhere to it, the God of the universe would have the right to revenge against them? I mean, that sounds insane, but it's not. He was desperate, he had no other options. I kind of feel like him today. Just like the king, Josiah, he saw into the future, and there were only two paths total destruction or turning back to God. And that was it. So he picked up that dusty old Bible and recommitted himself to what it said. He committed to honesty, charity, truth, to goodness. He committed to humility. Brotherhood, unity, loyalty. He said the only way to avoid this shipwreck is to provide for our posterity and follow the counsel of Micah to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. He said that was the only way to avoid the shipwreck. Literally, metaphorically. People were dying. His own son was dead. They needed God. How interesting that after Abraham Lincoln's son died while he was in office, and we were dying, the Republic was dying, literally and figuratively, we were fighting a great battle, and a battle that, at first, Lincoln said, was just to preserve the Union. We lost, as the Union, every single battle except one, until Gettysburg. Lincoln said, when I came into office, I wasn't a Christian. When my son died, I wasn't a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg, it drove me to my knees and I became a Christian. This is when he made the covenant. These are some of the words. No human counsel has divide, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things of this conflict. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy. He went on to renew the covenant. Now that sounds that sounds like something big, grand, and spiritual, but it's really not renewing is just going back to what worked and trying it again. If we renew the Constitution, we're not altering it. We're not writing a whole new Constitution. We're just reading it again and committing ourselves to actually doing what it says. We're only a few generations away from somebody like King Josiah finding the American founding documents and maybe in the back of some old cave, uh, cave in clay pots or beside... Some old trash can picking up those documents and saying, What are these? Holy cow, I've never heard of any of this. There are people sitting in our churches and synagogues right now that could open up to a chapter in their Bible and would be shocked by what it says because we forgot who we were. Today is about remembering. That's what renewing a covenant means, to remember what we used to know as a people and then promising to live that way. That's it. And it doesn't happen all at once. It's not always like the Holy Spirit dropping fire under the disciples. Sometimes renewal is slow. It's the small everyday choices we make. It's the good deeds we do that nobody knows about. So what we do here today and what hopefully you will do with your family next week, you won't completely renew the covenant, not all at once. You have to renew it every day in your heart in the way you and your family live. And it is important. Your children are part of that covenant and it is incumbent upon you to teach them the truth. We put together a document for anybody who wants to renew the covenant with God. I'm going to read it to you today. I'm going to ask you if you will, wherever you are, raise your hand and repeat after me. I would suggest you read it first. It's at glenbeck.com. But let me do something when we come back that maybe is a little crazy. Let me dissuade you from making the covenant. Because there's something that you need to know about it that we haven't addressed. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. This is the
0: Glenn Beck Program. It's Covenant Day. I've been leading up to this for 40 days and actually more like a decade, right? You've been talking about this off the air and sometimes even on the air about at
1: some point you wanted to do it. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Okay, so this actually started, I'm, I'm just fulfilling a covenant. I made a covenant when I was baptized that I would do what he asked me to do. I remember saying it in my head. I will, if you can forgive me and take all this burden off me, I will do what you tell me to do. Now, knowing what he wants me to do. I mean, that's the tough part. You have no idea. I have felt prompted to do the covenant, to renew America's covenant for over a decade. And, uh, we keep trying to do it. It's not the right time. Something will happen. Uh, COVID happened. We had it all planned. COVID happened and we had to cancel it all. And, um, so this last summer I kept hearing covenant, covenant, covenant. And, uh, I said, okay, okay. Got to do that. How are we going to gather a crowd? And that's when I kind of heard, Hey dummy, how about the 12 million that listen to you every day? And I'm like, Oh, that is a crowd. Yeah. Okay. So I'm taking two risks. One, nothing like this has ever been done on commercial radio. I don't know of even any radio because it's the American covenant. Um, but it's certainly not been done on commercial radio and probably for a reason, Mm. probably for a reason, Mm -hmm. but I believe he asked me to do it. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. So I am only filling, fulfilling my part of the covenant. Is this something that
0: needs to be done sort of simultaneously? Does everyone in the audience need to do this today? Or is this mm. something that they can do, maybe go through would, the process mm. if they're just joining and understanding the the, the whole... No, thing? you
1: can, uh, we're posting it and we'll make a, something for your whole family for Thanksgiving. I recommend that mm. you print this out and you as a family sign it. You make it, say it out loud, sign it. If you want to, those those who have been following the 40 days, 40 nights, and, you know, have prepared for today... Um, I would suggest they take it.
0: There's also resources on glenbeck.com where you can see the covenant. Also, there is a a 40-day study of biblical covenants that you can go through and a 15-day guide on American covenants. So you have all the background here if you want to lead up to this on your own uh, and you're just maybe learning about this today. Maybe you've missed the segments we've done leading up to this. But I I
1: think this is the beginning of uh, fulfillment of, of Scripture where, you know, but if his people will turn back to him, if my people will turn to me, I will forgive and heal their land. And I think that that's what the covenant is. We are turning back, back to him and saying, okay, we know who you are. We know what we've done and we can't do it without you. Um,
0: I don't want to take up too much time because I know you have to do this, but is there an increased significance with In your mind, when it comes to what's going on in the world, when it comes to what's going on in Israel, because this, this, this was started before any of this stuff started happening on October
1: 7th, for sure. I mean, nobody knows the time, you know, we're all told, but I mean, if you haven't, if you're a Christian and you haven't at least thought that maybe there's a lot of prophecy being fulfilled here, um, maybe this is the time. Um, you know, I talked to Pat earlier this morning and he said, I always thought it would be more obvious if this is the time, you know, the mark of the beast. Is that CBDC? I don't know. what What is it? What, it could be anything. And he said, I always thought it would be more clear, but it's it's not. Um, maybe it becomes more clear, but you can tell the difference between good and evil. Most people can still do that, although many Listen hour one of this broadcast. Um many cannot. Okay. So if you're driving pullover, if you're with people, just say it quietly in your head. If you're by yourself, say it out loud if you want to. I'm making this for me. You can just follow me. Um, you know, I state your name. So just follow me, you say your name, not my name. Are you ready? I, Glenbeck, alongside my fellow countrymen, and as a witness to my nation and the Almighty, now come forward in humility to covenant that the Lord is my God. I further covenant to remember. To regularly commune with Him through prayer. To turn away from sin and error. To rear my family in righteousness, in patience, love, truth, and kindness. To discern and sustain the law. And, in fine, to perform my several duties properly, punctually, and to the utmost. Now, if the Lord shall please to hear us, and inasmuch as we honor this covenant, then shall his bounty be poured down upon us, as has never been seen. We humbly implore and beg his protection and favor that we may experience his everlasting peace and concord that our sins, those of our family, Those of our nation may be pardoned, that the disunity in our country and suffering may be healed, that once again our families shall delight in each other, and we shall rejoice together, mourn together. And increase together. The Lord will be our God and delight to dwell among our families so that we partake of his wisdom, power, goodness, and truth. Love and solidarity. Shall reign within our households. May our nation unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care, for his protection, that he may promote the knowledge and the practice of true religion and virtue. He shall grant unto this nation temporal prosperity, as he alone knows to be best. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand created this great nation. It is only the gracious gift of the Most High God. Only His tender care shall heal this nation's wounds. He will raise it to the full enjoyment of peace Harmony, tranquility, union, and plenty. He has made us a city upon the hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. We enlist his almighty hand that we may once again choose life and that we and our seed may live by obeying his voice and cleaving to him. He is our life and our poster prosperity. May my family and this country ever stand in solemn testimony of the Most High. Amen. Please find this at glenbeck.com plus all of the information. You will also find our uh, Thanksgiving proclamation from uh, George Washington and the Thanksgiving proclamation issued right after Gettysburg, uh, which is a renewal of the covenant, you will find those also at Glenbeck.com. I wanted to do it this week, when we had the maximum audience before we go into the holidays, so you would be able to hear this, begin to commit to it, And perhaps next week at your Thanksgiving table, you will work through perhaps the 15 days, do some of it, do all of it. But if you do some of it and you understand it, teach it to your children and then print this covenant out, take it as a family, sign it, frame it, know who your household answers to. You can find all the information at glenbeck.com.